0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity.
1: You're listening to Double G Radio. Call a non-believer. How did that? Call a non-believer. Anybody can be beat. Back, relax and enjoy our expert analysis of all pro teams in the concrete jungle Can't wait. it's the season premiere of the box out here at wg sports radio Kyle, jason we're doing two shows this weekend first one right now nicks nets and it starts right now It's the box up, double G Sports Radio. And hey, I'm calling the season premiere. This is season two of us doing this, Jason Kahlil. Jay, how you doing this Saturday afternoon, man? How you doing? I'm
0: good, doing good, good. All
1: right. How you feeling? I'm good, I'm good. So before we get started, I gotta say, you have a busy evening ahead of you. What are you up to this uh, tonight going on? I think at Barclays, correct? Yeah, we got
0: a nice little trip ahead of going on at Barclays, so three good fights. Should be interesting. Should be a good time.
1: So we're going to do something different. We have 30 minutes today. We're going to do 30 minutes tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday, of uh, basketball previews. Today we're doing Knicks and Nets. Tomorrow we're going to do the rest of the NBA. But to start off, Jason, I'm going to do something. Normally we start with the Knicks first. It's always the Knicks. I want to start with the Nets first. Uh, And I I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on the Brooklyn Nets, almost called New Jersey Nets. Um, 20 and 62 last year, last in the Eastern Conference, um, their draft pick with two to Celtics. Uh, but this year they retooled. They got a lot of, um, one, they got a lot of bad contracts to movie guys by the DeMar Carroll, Alan crab, but they kind of inadvertently created this really decent team that a lot of people are looking at. Like this team could really do some work this year. Possibly. Yeah, totally, man. I
0: Totally. I, at first I had an expectation that they would probably battle for the eighth seed. And I'm gonna go a little higher than that. I think this is this is a definitely a thirty eight to forty four win team. And that'll be what almost a twenty game improvement. So I I yep. do see a lot of good signs. I see a lot of good things I've seen in preseason that will carry over to the regular season.
1: But I feel like if you look at who they have, like they're starting lineup, they're starting five and I was listening to the to the Bill Simmons podcast and do the, the do the over under, and they had this team just not doing doing anything. But I feel like you look at a crunch time lineup of Jeremy Lin, D'Angelo Russell, Crab, Carroll, and Mozgov. You put that five against any other five in the East, with the exception of let's say Boston, Cleveland. That's a five that you you will want down a stretch in a close game. You have Moscow with the size, rebounding. DeMar Carroll's got that grit, and he can shoot. Alan Crabb can shoot. Uh, Jeremy Lin's a scorer. He can play a little defense. DeAngelo Russell, I think, is going to be the X factor because he has so much to prove coming off of uh, his first two years in L.A. That five they have, which will probably be a starting five, will be a comparable starting five to any Eastern Conference team with the exception of maybe, like I said, Cleveland, Boston, you can maybe throw Toronto in there. See, I'm glad you said that because I think
0: that's what a lot of experts are – they're not looking at that. They're looking at the deaths, Oh, the entire roster, one to fifteen, they may not be that competitive. But like you said, if you stack them against the the top, non you know top teams in the East, like you said, only Boston, I'm I'm Washington in in it because of the you know cause of the guard play. But I think the mm-hmm. Nets can hang with any of those teams, any of those teams in the East, and scratch their way to an eight seed.
1: And we we talked about it a lot over the last few weeks about how the East, the East kind of lost a few teams. You look at Indiana without Paul George. Look at Chicago without Jimmy Butler. Um, I'm looking at the rest of the East right now. Detroit, you don't know where Detroit is going to be. Miami's going to be kind of in the mix. Milwaukee's going to be in the mix. So you have Cleveland, Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee, Miami. That's five. Toronto, did I say Toronto? I'm not sure. Washington six. Yeah, so six Washington involved. So now you have two playoff spots. And not any other team in the Sixers is going to be in play, I think. The Knicks won't be anywhere near playoff contention, but we'll get to them later. You have two spots to work with. And honestly, the, the, the Nets could be one of those teams, if you said it, 38 wins, you can get a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. And it's sad to say, with 38 wins. And the Nets could possibly pull that off. Hey, I think 38
0: wins might get you to the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. So we'll see.
1: Oh, the set what so thirty-eight so thirty-eight wins could get you the seven seed and possibly either Boston or Cleveland in first round playoffs. Yeah, no, that's that's really bad. Um, and for the look Nets, at draft for the draft,
0: it's not. I was gonna say for the Nets is not a bad thing because remember you know, your main objective this season is to not give Boston a top five or top ten pick.
1: That's true. Uh, well, uh, the thing is, too, everyone's like, "Oh, well, Cleveland's back. Cleveland at Boston now. Cleveland pick is going to be a, a high pick, top five pick." But you see, and you see how Brooklyn played in the preseason. Obviously, it's preseason. You can't really take you can't take what happens in the preseason as gospel. But the ball movement, the scrappiness, kind of carried over from last year. And I feel like deep down, they know we don't want to give Cleveland that good a pick. If we can give Cleveland a sixteenth or seventeenth, where this draft coming up next year is gonna be very top heavy, but after we take six or seven, it's not gonna be as deep as maybe this year was. That's I'm sorry, that will drive a team to play in better because they don't one, they don't want to be laughing stock anymore. Two, they don't want Cleveland to get better because when they get better, they don't want Cleveland to be kind of they want Cleveland on a downturn when Brooklyn starts turning up a little bit. Right. So I have a question, and maybe you can answer this. Isaiah Whitehead, rookie year he last year, going to the second year. What what do you see from him? Like I, I I've tried to kind of gauge his play and what kind of player he is and what he's going to become. And what do you foresee for Isaiah Whitehead? Not just for this year, but going forward.
0: Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I think he's going to be a great. He's going to give the next a great 15 minutes when Russell he needs to take a break. I don't know long-term how he's going to manage in the NBA, but I think he could be a great spark plug coming off the bench that gives you that energy, gives you, you know, keep the offense consistency going. So we'll see.
1: Yeah. So to this day, and I know Seen Hall still has their nucleus, the classic Isaiah Whitehead came in with. There's still a Seen Hall going to the senior years. Whitehead left after his sophomore year, and he had rights, right, so he had a really uh, – a really good year, really good biggies tournament. Kind of got his name out there. I feel like someone might have gave him the wrong advice saying that he could be a fourth, first round pick. all right and we are back a little technical difficulty uh on our end here sorry about that but we're talking about the nets and what they were what we assume what's going to happen with the new jersey nets this year and how a lot of teams seem to not believe a lot of pundits believe that the nets can't, can't they won't compete And I think me and Jason might be the only ones that believe that the Nets could actually be competitive and be somewhat, somewhat, and I'm looking for the word to use, relevant, I think, in the Eastern Conference. So we talked about Isaiah Whitehead and what his view was gonna be. 38, maybe 40 wins if they get lucky, but you have a, a very, you have a torn down Eastern Conference after the trades of Paul George. Camargo Anthony being traded. So the Nets have a chance to really make some noise and possibly make it into the playoffs. We're going to move on to the Knicks now. And the Knicks is a whole other situation. (sighs) Let's begin with the Knicks. And we are back. Jason, you there? Yeah, I'm here. I don't know what happened, but I'm here. That was was, in the Knicks and Nets talk. (laughs) I know. Shutting everything down. It's like we can't do it no more. (laughs) So we're going to move on to the Knicks, and I think this we had to leave the rest of the show for the Knicks, because I think there's, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the New York Knicks. Uh, they finished their preseason last night with no wins. Uh, you saw something last night, though, and I want to mention this. Doug McDermott, Dougie Baskets, he dunked last night, which I was, I was shocked about. I didn't expect him to dunk at all. But Doug McDermott, and I feel like, and I said this on the show that we did about the Carmelo trade. I didn't see a lot about Doug McDermott that I liked. I think I call him a poor man, Kyle Korver. But I think last night's game kind of showed me that, you know what, Doug McDermott can have a huge role with this team that maybe I overlooked when the Carmelo trade was first announced. What do you think?
0: I kind of agree. I think he could have that kind of dare I say, that insanity effect to the, to the crowd this season if he's consistent with his threes and makes open shots, he could have that role.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. one that's getting him in the ball. Cause McDermott, like and I can compare him to Corver, not because they're both, you know, white shooters, but right. you okay. have to get them into the flow of the game. You have to kind of keep them going. Right. McDermott has to get his touches and keep them, keep them, keep him warm. If you ignore him or he gets out of the flow, of the offense, you can sing with him. You saw it when he played for Creighton. Um, So the Knicks, 31-51 and last season. uh, They finished 12th in the Eastern Conference. Like I said, they traded Carmelo just a few weeks ago. And Jason, I'm going to let you take it. What are you thinking? Wins, losses, do you think they make some noise? Do you think the rebuild starts right now? Do you think that maybe Knicks fans just kind of grit their teeth, bear it, and see what happens in three years? I
0: think Knicks fans need to – be real about the situation. The rebuild officially is underway. The moment they traded Carmelo and they got the pieces, they got back. That's to me. It's essentially a signal that hey, we're rebuilding. We're gonna be honest about it. It's a whole. It's a whole new era in the in the garden. Phil's gone. Melo's gone. I think that's both good for business. You can't have one and keep the other. I'm cool with the rebuild. I'm cool if Porzingis. You know somehow acknowledge telling him that hey this is your team now going forward we want to make sure you get your touches and we we, we build it around you with that said i think the 30 wins is not happening this year i honestly see it's going to be tough them to get 20 wins just the way the league is set up and they're you know we know the east is bad but they're really bad so i don't know who they're gonna surprise and sneak up on on any given night so And we we didn't even talk about the backcourt situation. I think the backcourt situation could be the worst in the league because we don't know what we're getting from this rookie. And I don't know what I'm getting from Courtney Lee or Tim Hardaway Jr. So, yeah, it's going to be real bad at the Garden.
1: Also on the backcourt, somehow they waived Trey Burke, who they just signed this week. Trey Burke is going to the G League. They're going to keep Jarrett Jack on for the first 12 games while Joaquin Noah finishes out his suspension. You have Ramon Sessions, who is just pretty much a mercenary. You're right. That backcourt is just this patchwork. And, and for some reason, they're looking at Frank. Like Frank could be like this budding star when really Frank just started starting games overseas. Frank didn't start until late in season last year when he was playing overseas. So you're getting a player that had a lot of bench time but didn't get a lot of starting time. So you expect him to kind of slide in. And it looks like sliding out the first 12 games when Jarrett Jack kind of gets the boot, they put a lot of pressure on this guy already. And I think it might be undue pressure for someone who, to be honest, I'm still not happy with the draft pick. And I still believe that they should that have was be my,
0: That was my question for you because I've seen a little bit of Monk and I've seen a little bit of um, Dennis Smith Jr. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why did the Knicks not pick either one of these guys?
1: Dennis Smith Jr., like – in. Summer League is different, obviously. We know Summer League, you know, Alonzo uh, uh, Ball kills Summer League. We get it. Dennis Smith Correct. showed it in Summer Ball, and he showed it in the preseason. Like, Dallas is Dallas is, – they're excited, not for Dirk, not for anyone else. They like Dennis Smith. Malik Monk, who still thought, still to this day thought he was getting drafted by the Knicks, and he still talks about it, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Dennis uh, – Malik Monk is – great and he's a combo guard so you can sw- switch him out at the point in the two which honestly and I think I said this before the draft the Knicks need that versatility they don't have that really on the floor maybe because Minstens uh, could play the three or the four but that versatility is what they really should be looking at and they just drop the ball completely completely so you're saying 20, it's a long season yeah. yeah so what are your thoughts about michael beasley pretty much and he's still we talked about this a couple weeks ago he's still being this positive overly enthusiastic guy about this team saying this team is going to surprise people that is better than everyone thinks is he still on that pot or is he like is he legitimately thinking that this team could do some damage because i don't see what he's talking about just watching the preseasons, seasons like you guys suck
0: <laughs> Michael Beasley needs to lay off the weed However, I do think This is his last opportunity in the league So he's going to take full He's going to do whatever he got to do to make sure he's around I think he's going to put up a lot of buckets I think he's going to have a productive season for the Knicks And he's trying to He's Like I said, he's trying to give himself another contract But So he has to say these things Stay in the spotlight, keep himself motivated But um I don't know if he's realized how poorly his guard play is going to be. So I don't know how many touches he thinks he's going to get. He's going to have to create his own shot, and that's not something he's really good at. So we'll see.
1: So going into the season, like I said, Joe Quinoa still has 12 games left on his suspension for PEDU, so he's going to be gone. And at this point, we don't know who's starting at center come opening night on the 17th. Kyle O'Quinn, Enos Cancer, or Willie Hernan Gomez. If you uh, if you were making a decision, Jay, would you start Oquinn, Cancer, or Hernan Gomez, and what would be your rationale behind starting whoever you decide to start? Because I'm me personally, I lean more towards Oquinn okay. to start. Then you start Cancer.
0: Yeah, I would start Cancer because I think Oquinn would be great for that second unit, to give them a buzz. And he, like I said, I think he he'll be he'll be a perfect situation there. I might go Cantor because I think Cantor and Porzingis up front could do some things. But then it, it like mm-hmm. then it goes back to that guard play, man. It's just that guard play. I just don't trust it and have enough confidence in it. But I do think Cantor can create his own shot just like Porzingis. He can rebound, stretch the floor out a little bit. So that that's my only reason for going with Cantor over
1: Quinn. Well, I know Jeff Hornacek mentioned this week about the idea of, and I don't know why he's even thinking of this, of starting Hardaway and Courtney Lee together in the backcourt at the same time. To me, that's a scary thought, having both sure. of those guys in the floor at the same exact time. But yeah. is, this just, is this just an issue of Hornacek just trying anything to keep his job? Because I think he knows that he's probably on the hot seat this year.
0: Yeah, but, you know, like, he was dealt a bad head from initially accepting the job, so I don't really have too much pity for him. He should have thought, you know, he shouldn't have really looked at the circumstances of taking that job, but, I mean, I understand his logic is probably want to start those two guys because, like we said, you know, sessions. I would put Jack, maybe, if I'm if I'm the Knicks, and if I have that, that little faith in the rookie, I would probably start Jack. And Hardaway is my backcourt right now.
1: What do you think? I, I, I like Jared Jack when he's with Brooklyn because okay, he, he still has it. He still has something, and like I, I think I said this yes, a few okay. you weeks know, he, ago. He's the guy that you want Frank to learn from. I don't want him to learn from Ramon Sessions. Jared Jack is professional. At he still plays hard. I think he still knows that he has something left in the tank. He's going to play hard. But he's also able to teach Frank how to play point correctly. I feel like that's, that's who you want. So I don't know why they even considering cutting Jack when Joaquin comes back, but keeping on Ramon Sessions. I don't understand the rationale behind that at all. Oh. So. It's the Knicks doing the Knicks thing. Yeah. Listen, you've been very positive about the brothers running the team right now. And I'm 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 trying to jump on you right now. I'm trying to jump on your, your bandwagon. Like, hey, okay, we got Scotty Perry, we got Steve Mills, who I still think is useless. But you know, I'm, I'll, I'll let it roll. I'm I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get behind that. But if I see Courtney Lee and Sim Hardaway on the court at the same time, if I see Jared Jack getting cut and the Ramon Sessions getting 25 minutes a game, my faith is going to start kind of diminishing very very quickly about the front office.
0: I feel like this season is just—we have to write it out. It's—it's it's still that Phil Jackson stench that's going to be lingering around the garden. You know, when Melo comes home for that first game at the garden, she's going to try to drop like fifty on us. We try to accept these things, and i, I think it will get better before again. It has to get worse, but it will get better. And I think long term, he's probably going to develop a culture. It's just—it's not going to be this season. It's going to be starting next all season. So he's got to ride out the waves. But you're right. If somehow Sessions makes you know, he stays there and he's in 25 minutes, whew, it's gonna be an awful, it's gonna be an awful mess at the Garden.
1: So for the Knicks, you said 20 wins, correct? 20 wins. 20 to 22. 20 wins. Which are hard for me. To, and then I, for to I the, think might
0: start the season. I think that's. I think the Knicks might start the season 0 and 10.
1: Oh my God. <sighs>
0: Yeah, you that. just yeah, hurt, you hurt know, my heart a
1: little bit. I, my, my heart just skipped when you said that. My wow. Whew. All right. And the nets. You said thirty-eight max, correct? Max. Yep. Yep. Okay. I'm. I'm writing that down. It has been documented. That was predictions for prediction, Jason prediction Corner. I will hold those in a vault until the end of the year. Before we leave, we about seven minutes left for to get off the air. I want to talk about Louisville. Tomorrow's be all NBA for the rest of the NBA. But I want to talk about Louisville and North Carolina, Louisville. And we have been off a couple of weeks. A big FBI investigation came out that Louisville was part of a pay to play scheme through Adidas and some assistant coaches and other assistant coaches around the country. North Carolina yesterday were pretty much spared any type of consequence for some academic fraud issues that the NCAA could not prove. With these two events, especially the Louisville event, do you think this is going to wake the NCA up to what is going on and maybe changing how things are done? We talk about this a lot. Uh, NCAA just seems brain dead when it comes to things. Do you think the North Carolina situation and the Louisville situation for who no longer has, is going to have a job, will change the way the NCAA does business?
0: You know, I actually don't think it's going to change anything. I just think... Because if you change it, it's going to cost them money, and everybody likes to get paid. So I think the way in the North Carolina, you know, everything was clean and everything, so that's a good spot for the NCAA. The Louisville situation, somebody have to take a fall, so we are happy to be Louisville. I think going forward, a lot of programs are going to make sure that they tighten their grip on things, but not necessarily stop doing these things. So I think NCAA is all money, and they're going to keep getting that money printed out and – taking care of their sponsors and everything. So I think nothing changes long-term. Somebody had to take the fall, and they had to be Louisville.
1: Yeah. Well, I I watched that 30 for 30 Soul Man with uh, Sonny Vaccaro and how Nike and Adidas, how they kind of got into the the college basketball game and the ABCD camp, stuff like that. And you watch that after reading what the FBI said and what the story is about Louisville, and you realize that, as much as the schools are making these deals and taking all this money, and and Tino pocketed a lot of that money that he got from Adidas that should have went back to the school, went to the athletic program, the NCA was 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 culpable in all this. They they were they were willing parties and letting the, the sneaker companies in. after like over the last twenty years, they let them in so much, where these sneaker companies, if you look at Oregon and how Phil Knight and Nike just is all over Oregon. The NCAA is complicit in all this happening, so you're right about that. They won't change the way business is done because the NCAA is complicit, and they know they're getting their cut. They don't lose that cut, but it kills me that it's get to the point where you got the FBI looking at you now. And the FBI came out and said, "We're not done. We're not, this is not this is not over by any stretch of imagination. This still ought to be done." I think we
0: might. I think we might get to the point where the NCAA goes a bone and. Pay and put those kids on our allowance just to go to scent off a little bit. I think we might get to that sooner or a bit later.
1: Well, they also put together some type of committee that NCAA did with Condoleezza Rice heading it on how they can positively change college athletics. And in my head, and, you know, this is a podcast, so I'm going to curse a little bit. In my head, I was like, that's bullshit. Nothing's going to change. <laughs> you put all, you put these Nothing. committees together, but you, it's, like you, you said it. If it affects their bottom line, they're not going to change it. They just now they're paying more people to do absolutely nothing. They're paying Connelly's or Rice millions yep. to come up with solutions to problems that they can probably solve by themselves in a the room in two hours. I hate to say it, it's the Trump
0: effect. We're going to talk. You know, it's like how Trump is doing with our football. We're going to talk about the football and the national anthem, but in the. But we're going to just, you know, distract everybody from not doing anything. So I think NCW is going to fall in They're going to, like you said, pay more people to do more things just to keep the, the stench away a little bit. They're, they're going to pay more people to clean up a little bit just to smell, not the actual
1: thing. Well, my thought now, Patino's out, all these assistant coaches from the f- different schools are out, out the FBI's not but my dream would be that somehow, some way, John Calipari's part of this. And if that happens, I will be euphoric, in knowing that I was right for all these years that John Calipari is dirty.
0: Oh, he's dirty, but he doesn't leave a he doesn't leave a trail, and a I think that's the difference between Kino and
1: and Calipari.
0: He's like, come and get I'm me. Not You're sure. not gonna find a single drop of evidence. I
1: know. I know. Did you see? I don't know if you noticed, saw last night any highlights of the uh, Kentucky March Madness when they had Drake come out. And And as much as I hate Calipari in Kentucky, I watched the highlights. I watched the long form highlights and I just seized. I'm like, this man is still here. He's still here. And Drake is like, I'm here too. What's up? I'm like, dog. Oh. <laughs> Damn, can this stop? Can we find something on John Calipari? Never. So fine, no. that's n- – no, n- never. So this is the first half of our box out preview. Tomorrow, Sunday, October 15th, will be the second part. And tomorrow we go all through the NBA, look at the major storylines. How will Carmelo fit in with Paul George and Russell Westbrook? What about Portland? Where does Portland go? The East, will it be competitive besides the five, six teams that we mentioned earlier? We're going to go through the NBA major storylines and talk talk it out. We will let you know what happens after that. The box out, double G Sports Radio, we're going to some changes. So we will keep you posted on what those changes will be in the coming days, the coming weeks, on what's gonna happen with us. But no doubt the box out will not go anywhere. We will still be here. Jason, we're not going nowhere. As much as people don't want us out, we're still here. That's right. So we will see you tomorrow. We'll keep you posted. Check the Twitter of Double G Sports and Twitter of Jason Corner Jake. Likewise. But what's, your, uh, what's your Twitter handle?
0: Oh, God. Bivy J. Follow me on Twitter. Instagram, same thing,
1: busy J. All right, and Kyle Lill and Thomas at Twitter. We'll keep you posted. We'll be back tomorrow, October 15th, our second part of the Box Out NBA preview show. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. See you tomorrow afternoon, probably. Peace. All right, and pray for and pray for the next. <laughs>